1: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade Uh Welcome. This is going to be a big hour uh, because we have all these revelations about what's happening with Russia, the Russia probe. Uh, we're getting more, inte- uh, more intelligence out, if you can call it intelligence, out of the House Committee run by Adam Schiff. He's going to give up all these transcripts of the 53-plus interviews he did in the Russia probe. Remember what he said? There's no doubt about collusion between Russia and uh, the Trump campaign. Well, it turns out there was a ton of doubt, hence the Mueller report, number two. He never had it and it's going to prove it, and it's going to show it for sure. they also got the scope memo. Who was the lawyer for John Dowd along the way? Who was the one who had the relationship with Robert Mueller? John Dowd. John Dowd will be joining us to tell us his perspective on what he knows and why originally he was confident that they were going to get through this quickly. Next, General Jack Keene will be with us. Uh, China is saying now that they believe they didn't even start the virus, that it started somewhere in the West, and they're proving some stories out there that didn't even start in Wuhan, that they're actually the victims of it. As we ramp up uh, the intensity between those two nations, I'll get uh, the general's take on that Uh, and so much more. There's also a report that Iran has pulled out of Syria. Hmm, not sure about that. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to to know, know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. The president is attempting to hold up China as the boogeyman. The reason that we're in the crisis that we are today is not because of anything that China did. President Trump continues to blame China for the virus and the rising death toll.
1: Why wouldn't he? Media mania, the unrelenting criticism for American media, gets a reality check while they continue to give China a total pass and Joe Biden a free ride.
4: Number two. This judge was vindictive. He was out to make a point. She was fighting for her kids. She was fighting for her 18 employees, mostly as she said, because they're moms without jobs. And uh, what this judge did was a total disgrace.
1: Yeah, irrational approach. The only way to explain the arrests of owners and banning of sunbathers, while some states focus on releasing prisoners. What's going on in this country with this pandemic? We will try and make sense of it all.
5: Number one. But we know how to deal with it now much better. You know, nobody knew anything about it initially. We can't have our whole country out. Can't do it. country won't take it. It won't stand it. It's not sustainable.
1: Finding a way to open up instead of looking for a way to close it up. Big administration push and state-by-state progress uh, is our co- as our country tries to stop the bleeding of jobs. We have now 3.2 million people filed for jobs in a week. Over 30 million overall. And revenue is decreasing. we got to turn this whole thing around while fighting the virus at the same time. We have to do it on two tracks. I'm going to throw a stat at you. I know you guys are around the world, but, uh, and we are hurt around the world, but we're located in New York, which happens to be the epicenter of the pandemic, more in this state than any state in the world. Do you know the new wave of positive cases, hospitalizations, come from people who are at home? of the people hospitalized over the last month are people that have been at home. 46% are unemployed, 37% are retired, 3% use public transportation. Wait a second. It's the epicenter. It's where it all started. It's where it's all decreasing. And the people that get it are the ones at home. While we're being clamped down on for opening up our businesses, even though it's socially conscious, we can go to the liquor store, we can't go to the jewelry store. We can go to Lowe's, but we can't go to Dick Sporting Goods. Please understand this is lunacy. Don't tell, tell me I can walk on the beach, but I can't stop and sit on the beach. And if I will get a fine if I do so. Are you kidding? People want their hair cut. You open up your shop. Why would you do that? Maybe because... You're running out of money? They try to tell you to close up your shop. You say, I'm not. They bring you to court. They say, admit you selfish. She says, I'm not. They said, you're going to jail for a week. She said, take me away. What is going on? I'm talking about an actual story that happened in Dallas, in Texas, uh, with a woman that'd rather take jail time uh, than watch her business with her. Thankfully, there's a GoFundMe page. She's got $500,000. Uh, in it already. Uh, meanwhile, the salons do open up tomorrow for Dallas. Here's a listen. Here's a listen to the Texas officials who are running to Shelly Luther's side in this case. Cut 14.
4: She ought to be released immediately. We're hoping that public pressure and shows like this can can highlight the injustice that's happening to his mother. What this judge did was a total disgrace. And if he's a man, if he's a man, he'll step up tomorrow or Friday before Mother's Day, and I hope tomorrow, and let her out of jail. This is an injustice. And if this continues across America, we're going to have trouble. And so we have to let these people get back to work. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with letting them get back to work? Do you have a
1: problem with that? Uh, In Michigan, they do. Now in New Jersey, they sit waiting to the middle of June. Are you kidding? I own a car wash. I can't open it i got a liquor store. I can open that. A gym I can't open till the middle of June. Uh, I don't know if you notice, but the money that doesn't go to everybody in the Paycheck Protection Program runs out in eight weeks. Three have already gone by the board. So you got salons that can't open, gyms that can't open. Most things are closed. I'll work my way forward on that. So hopefully people will start understanding and pu- saying I will not put up with this because if everybody goes back to work, Uh, They can't arrest everybody, can they? Uh, The other day, I'm looking at footage. I don't know the details of a story in New Jersey. A bunch of guys uh, got together, and they were too close. They didn't separate quick enough. Next thing I know, these cops are wrestling with these guys. We're putting cops in incredibly difficult situations. And because these governors, like the one in Michigan, feel as though they're the emperors, not the governors of their state. They've been outvoted by their legislature, but still they continue to ignore it, uh, ignore them. Here's a Michigan House Speaker, Lee Chatfield in Michigan, that says, We've attempted to partner with our governor, but she rejected it. We offered cooperation, but instead she chose court. This is unavoidable. But today we filed a lawsuit in our state to challenge unconstitutional actions uh, of the law in Michigan. If she's auditioning for Joe Biden, I dare you take her. Because not only are you going to lose the election, you will also, along the way, lose Michigan. Who in Michigan can support this crap? Governor Phil Murphy on the Public Emergency Extension We want to take it absolutely make it clear that this action does not mean that we're not seeing anything in the data, which would pause our path forward. I should not be interpreted by anyone to mean we're going to be tightening any of the restrictions. Good news. You can golf. You just can't make a living, go out to eat or just about anything else. It's easy if you have 50 million dollars and you're the governor of New Jersey. But some of this stuff is just baffling. I don't want to take too much time away from John Dow because we have a lot to go with this, this Russia probe. But I also want to go with this uh, media madness that we've been witnessing. And you have a situation where, you know, you didn't vote for Donald Trump and you think that the Russians helped win an election. Uh, you think the Ukrainian coal was really impeachable. Well, there's no doubt about it where this virus came from. There's no doubt about it that 184 countries have been overrun by it. There's no doubt about it uh, that it was... Impossible to detect because we didn't know what exactly it was, and the Chinese lied. But if you are somebody who doesn't like Donald Trump, didn't vote for Donald Trump, don't want Donald Trump to be successful, you don't want to blame China. You want to blame Donald Trump. You want to talk about the human cost and blame Donald Trump. I bet you if I put a stopwatch out, they can't go a few minutes without blaming Donald Trump. They could do a story, can talk about hospitals, talk about PPE, I uh, could talk about the economy, and then they'll somehow blame Donald Trump. But Kelly McEnany got this job as press secretary, I knew she was going to be strong because I've watched her debate on CNN and on Fox. She can handle every issue. Sometimes the president does stuff that I think is wrong. I'll say it. Pulling out of Afghanistan, pulling out of Syria, uh, this peace deal there, ripping George Bush. I say it. She defends it, all of it. And she does it because she really believes it. And I said to myself, when they hired her right away, Mark Meadows, I'm sure, oversaw and made it happen. She's going to be strong. So I want you to hear how she handled this situation and to talk about preparation. She gets a question from Jeff Mason, Cut24. Kaylee, in a previous life, before you were press secretary, you worked for the campaign. And you made a comment, I believe, on Fox, in which you said President Trump will not allow the coronavirus to come to this country. Given what has happened since then, obviously, would you like to take that back?
6: Well, first, let me note, I was asked a question um, on Fox Business about the president's travel restrictions. I noted what was the intent behind those travel restrictions, which is we will not see the coronavirus come here. We will not see terrorism come here, referring to an earlier set of travel restrictions.
1: So, okay, that's kind of answering it. But then she went on, cut 25
6: I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does the Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip? The flu is bigger than the coronavirus. Does the Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions, and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days.
1: She's polite. She's strong. She knows her stuff. Extremely bright. Game on. Gets together with the president. Got great access, like Sarah Huckabee Sanders did. Doesn't get ahead of him. Find out if he's going to have some prep briefings a little bit later on. President reversed himself like only he can when it came to the task force. They're staying, but they got to focus more on opening up the country instead of shutting down the country and talking about diseases. Just about done with Fauci and Burks. Enough. You work on working with these cities to get it going. We're not going to wait forever to get your vaccine and therapy going. The science is working hard, but I also think we have to work hard to get it open. This current situation is ins- unsustainable. So, on top of that, the Russia probe, as the president admitted to Bill Muir on ABC, when they asked, why didn't you re- why didn't you restock and get ready for a pandemic? He said, I was a little distracted with the Russia hoax and the impeachment. He's 100% right. When we come back, we talk about why you should take the word hoax and circle it. With John Dowd, the president's first attorney, who saw the president through the roughest time in this whole thing, how he feels about the new revelations out yesterday and more today.
2: Diving deep into today's top stories, it's Brian Kilmeade. The fastest three hours in radio, you're with Brian
7: Kilmeade. There's this ample evidence of collusion uh, of the campaign, and it's very much in the public record.
0: Have you seen, do you have direct evidence of collusion with Russia?
1: Well, I think there is direct evidence,
7: and there is significant evidence of collusion, and we've set that out uh, time and time again.
1: Adam Schiff, evidently very nervous right now because all of the interviews that he did, transcriptions are going to be coming out today. The Scope Mobile, heavily redacted, came out yesterday as we try to get to the foundation of the Russian probe. A man that was there from day one, John Dowd, did a lot of the work and in many ways. John, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Former attorney for the President of the United States, so it was great to talk to you. First time I met was the Pete Rose investigation. But I don't want to put words in your mouth. You feel like you were misled on on where this probe was going. What do you think now that the scope memos out there?
8: You know, you know it's interesting, Brian. i in the last few days I've just been going through back through my files, and we were badly misled uh, by Mueller and his senior people, uh, particularly in the meetings that we had. Uh, and I was talking, I talked to Jay about it. It's it's really awful. I'm not sure we shouldn't do a retrospective to to point it out, but, you know, I, I found, I've forgotten, but I found communications to Bob and to Quarles where we called this thing. Early on, we called it as a total fraud uh, and corrupt by, you know, the dossier, the Democrats, etc., and asked him to look in, and he never responded. But, yeah, there's it, no question it's it's a fraud, and what I'm afraid of, is uh i think it's got i think the whole report is just nonsense and it's staggering that uh the so called dream team would would put on such a fraud i mean durovan's really got a load on his hands uh tracking all this down but yes it does and uh so so,
1: so the scope Ryan memo says this it's n- just it's stunning huh It said Rod said the scope memo says that Rod Rosenstein did not hesitate to explicitly authorize a deep dive criminal probe into the Trump team that extended well beyond the Russian interference effort. A third scope memo was also drafted. Meanwhile, I just play what Adam Schiff said. He says he's seen direct evidence of collusion. He said it many times. Uh, It never happened. It didn't take place. He interviewed. Go ahead.
8: Brian Schiff Schiff doesn't. Schiff doesn't release these interviews because they're going to make him a liar. They're going to expose him, and, and uh, uh, he'll be run out of town. That's what, that's what these interviews do. And, uh, you know, he, we, we all know he's lying. He, he lied for months in the, uh, the impeachment inquiry, et cetera. He's it's essentially Nancy's liar, and uh, he's now going to be exposed. And I wish the director of national, uh, national intelligence would just stop fooling around and release them to the public. Stop this nonsense. People need to know what the truth is here. And uh, the other thing that's interesting, <laughs> I was looking at the list of people who were interviewed. This is at the same time that Nancy and those those bozos that work for her, those clowns, were accusing the administration of obstruction. <laughs> I mean, it's like Look at us this. we yeah. instructed Mueller but we gave him everything we had. You know, it's. It's astounding what they get away with publicly and the statements that they make.
1: So, listen, there's 53, 6,000 pages, 53 transcriptions eligible for release, and they should be coming out as early as today. Everything from Brad Parscale to Steve Bannon to Kushner to Hope Hicks uh, to Roger yep. Stone. Uh, all this stuff is, is going to come out uh, that tortured really the country for the last two years. So it happened when the president said, I'm getting rid of James Comey. Uh, and then next thing you know, Comey gets fired. Andy McCabe goes in, compromises Rod Rosenstein. Rosenstein reportedly decides to wear a wire to try to capture the president, I guess. And show he's incompetent yeah. or corrupt. Do you yeah. think Rod Rosenstein realized the error of his ways in the middle of the investigation? Yeah,
8: I do. I'm, I'm now convinced of it. Now I'll give you another reason, but I want to observe something about this secret order that he that he issued what it says to me is that they do i think that was in august of 17
0: i think i think that this episode is brought to you by shopify do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real pos you need shopify for retail from accepting payments to managing inventory Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system.
8: Rosenstein and Mueller knew they had nothing then. And so they went to, they went to Rosenstein and asked him to give authority to, to go chase rabbits all over the place. So I think it's, it's, in, in a sense, an admission that Mueller had nothing. Because, you know, a lot of people want to know is, you know, Bob, when did you know you had nothing? Well, I knew we had nothing. You know, when we, we made all the witnesses available we gave all the documents. And that was September, October, November of 2017. And that's why we were pushing him so hard. But it's uh, yeah, Rosenstein has got a real problem. I'll give you one more of the reasons. Uh, my boy 30 seconds yeah partner,
1: Huh? that 20 seconds huh hello just uh, real quick 20 seconds okay we sent a letter to Mueller and to Rosenstein
8: for them to to take a hard look at Comey in June of 2017 they blew us off right
1: Unbelievable. John, I've got to have you back. Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz
4: podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.
2: The talk show that's getting you talking. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: President Xi started a commission two years ago that he chairs that says any business that does business in China has to cooperate with the Chinese military. So think about the research, think about the data, think about technology. And now we need to change the way we think about China. We need to change the American culture towards China because they've been on a strategic mission for a long time. This is just one of their many offenses.
1: Uh, That was uh, Governor Nikki Haley, uh, former ambassador, U.S. ambassador to the United Nations, who to me, he's got to be a leading candidate in 2024. Welcome back, everyone. Brian Kilmeade, Joe. Special thanks to John Dowd on all the Russia investigation revelations. He was there from day one. Now it's time to change gears and talk about what's happening now uh, in day, in year three of the Trump administration. That is the challenge of China and of beating this pandemic. And let's bring in General Jack Keane for that, uh, four-star general. And you know he is with the Institute of the Study of War and a Fox News senior strategic analyst uh, General, welcome back.
10: Oh, delighted to be here, Brian, as always.
1: Hey, uh, General, I'm seeing how you were interviewed for this column just talking about China. And you talk about the Chinese Communist Party is doing a whole government approach economically, militarily and geopolitically to intimidate and coerce us and our allies. Why now when they're at their when they're still dealing with the pandemic and its after effects?
11: Well,
10: the first thing is is that uh, you know China's economy is pretty much back back in full um, they believe they they've got their epidemic uh, in their country uh, somewhat under control they have always been aggressive uh, in the region i mean for over 10 years they've been intimidating and coercing our allies and they built islands in the south china sea and the United states uh, did nothing about it it's only this administration that has uh, fashioned a strategy, recognized China's ambitions, and and attempted to to do something about it in terms of a comprehensive strategy in concert with our allies. Now, I think the execution of that is uneven, and we could do better at it. And uh, um, but the reality is they're taking advantage of COVID nineteen because they want to weaken our allies' resolve. They see an opportunity here. Anytime there's a crisis, they see opportunity and they want to demonstrate that they are the dominant force uh, in the region. Uh, and the United States doesn't it no longer enjoys the status it once had. And that that's really what's happening out there. So from Japan to Malaysia, we have seen a, a, a step up an increased military activity, air and maritime, and violation of fishing rights with um, PLA uh, uh, fishing boats. Uh, the audience you know they have over 100,000 fishing boats that have been militarized, and they're under the control of the People's Liberation Army uh, who go out there and violate the, the major fishing zones uh, that the countries in the region are so dependent on, uh, you know, as a major industry.
1: So we are watching them now deny, try to deny with their disinformation campaign, that they were the, they were the, uh, the cause of this virus, that it came from Wuhan. Uh, and they allowed their people to travel to Europe and around the world and spread this virus while, while quarantining all the others and keeping them away from major cities in China. They're trying to blame us. And I ask you this every week. Is it working? Is, are people actually blaming America?
10: Well, the disinformation campaigns for them have have enormous value because they're very sensitive to their international image as well as their domestic image. And in general, this public image is what creates the paranoia for them and and, and the desire to have a propaganda or disinformation campaign. I don't believe it's working at all uh, with the international community uh, for the obvious reasons. Everybody has the epidemic now. And they all know its origin. China will not admit exactly how that started. And they know they prevented, they did, did not acknowledge for weeks that it was human to human transfer. And then, as you indicated, during this entire time from December all the way through January and well into March, they were permitting international flights all over the world. I think that was purposeful uh, because President Xi understood that the epidemic he had in this country was going to cause a contraction in his economy and that uh, he didn't want to go down that road by himself. He wants to have the uh, the dominant eco- uh, economy in the world. He's, he's targeted to, to have that in 2030 plus, And he knew that would be a huge step back to him. So all the economies of the world have suffered as a result of this, not even to speak of the tragedy of the loss of life. I, I believe that, that that's, that is the most reprehensible thing that they did. They covered up the origin, they covered up the human-to-human human transfer, but spreading the epidemic worldwide when they could have when they could have controlled that just simply by shutting flights down. That that is, I think it's outrageous criminal behavior in my mind.
1: So uh, here's the Secretary of State last night, cut 40.
8: We saw what they did to the journalists that they kicked out. American journalists they kicked out. Uh, we saw what they did to some of the doctors who early on. Uh, raised the flag and said, hey, we, we've got a problem. Uh, we, we saw that they just wandered off, not to be seen again. We've seen this kind of behavior, this, this kind of activity. It, it's what authoritarian regimes like the Chinese Communist Party do. Uh, they, they hide, they dissemble, they then propagate disinformation, propaganda that we saw when they tried to pin it on the United States.
1: <laughs> so he's turning it up a notch. I mean, he's got on like four or five outlets and he's blistering China. And there's always got to be a strategy. All that stuff is true, and it might be good in the debating society. But when the Secretary of State says that, and the president has a language not as stique, not as stark, but pretty strong, what are we, what are we learning about our strategy? Or is there one?
10: Oh, yeah. I mean, this administration came in and reset the table in terms of the strategic framework uh, that the United States global security challenges are and they said it's a big power competition primarily with russia and china and china represents the long-term strategic threat to the united states and based on that they developed a comprehensive strategy principally authored uh, by matt pottinger who works at the nsc then on the china desk but now is a deputy nsc uh, director and put together that comprehensive uh, strategy and it's a whole of government approach to deal with uh, what China is doing. Something we ignored now for ten years, and uh, prior to this, and we are still in the throes of fashioning that to the degree that that we want to have it. We've got a long way to go militarily, uh, and we can get into the specifics of what our vulnerabilities are if you want to. But and we've got a long way to go economically as well as geopolitically. You know what what China has set, has done. Uh, when Xi came in, he, he took off the wraps. Uh, everybody thought China had a defensive military strategy. They didn't believe that China was really seeking domination of the region or or uh, global domination. He, t- he took those wraps off. And he said that we are desiring to replace the United States as a global leader. We fully intend to dominate and control this region. It's in our national interest. And the means to do that is, as they defined it, this is the English words, unrestricted warfare. And that's economic, geopolitical, militarily, information campaigns, intimidation and coercion. Everything that they can do to gain power and influence of countries in the world, they're doing and they want to achieve this dominance without having to fire a shot. They carefully want to avoid any military confrontation with the United States. But and also to deter that confrontation, they have built up a, a sizable military capability which puts at risk some of our capability.
1: And you mentioned more missile defense in the surrounding territories like Guam, right? If we want to be if we want to start answering their their uh, offense.
10: Yeah, there's no secret that China can reach all of our major bases with long range missiles in South Korea, Japan and Guam. And this is where bases out of which we would particularly Guam is a very strategic asset. They can they can put long range missiles on our air bases there where our bombers are and, and at the Navy base. And in addition to that, they have long range anti ship missiles which can hold a naval carrier battle group at a distance outside their security zone where their fighters would, uh, would not be in range to do any damage to their coastal batteries, which are firing all of these missiles. So that's an incredible strategy that they put together. and, And we are in the catch up because we haven't been putting money into defense for years. So what do we need? Number one, missile defense to protect all of those bases. And right now, the only ones that are really protected are the ones that are in South Korea, and not all of them are protected, and particularly the, the ones at Guam. And then we have to have an offensive means to take down those batteries that are firing all those long-range missiles. We can't let them do that with impunity. How do we do that? We need long-range missiles ourselves, and we don't have them. And we got to get them, and we also have to develop hypersonic missiles. And aircraft carriers, I think, uh, you know, are questionable in terms of uh, this kind of high-end conflict with long-range missiles and hypersonic missiles. Uh, it, they're not questionable if you drive them into the into the Persian Gulf to fight the kind of wars we've been fighting for the last 20 years. They can fly with, with, with impunity. There's no air defense system. There's no air-to-air that's going to interdict them. Now they have all of that up against them. Submarines are very, because they're stealthy, they can get in close to the the coastline. But we have nuclear submarines and we have attack submarines. We need more submarines with conventional missiles on them, missile boats, in other words, that can take down those offensive missiles that are sitting, sitting in China. And remember, what we're trying to do is make sure we have a deterrence. It is the deterrence that we had for 40 years with the Soviet Union because we had real military capability, and they knew we would use it, which is the, the essence of deterrence, the capability and the will. And, and we don't have, we have the will now with this administration, but we don't have the kind of capability we should have to provide that kind of deterrence. And, and we got to move quickly, and these defense budgets are critical to that. Secretary Esper, by the way, Brian, is absolutely laser-focused on this. He is He is pulling money out of a lot of other accounts to laser focus and get the capabilities we need to have an adequate deterrence against China.
1: Because there was a report that Reuters had that said internal uh, documents show that China knows that their profile is going to drop almost to Tiananmen Square (laughs) levels and they are prepared for war with the U.S. should it continue to drop. So maybe there was some more truth to that than we knew. Um, All right. So look at China. Lastly, I just got this report that I know you can't confirm, but I want to just throw it at you. The IDF headquarters in Tel Aviv is saying that they're showing indications that Iran is pulling out of Syria uh, between Soleimani's death, between the the virus uh, and overall economic woes. They say it's now something that's not sustainable for them. I know they've always had a presence in Syria, even on its best days when they weren't on their heels. Do you think there could be something to this?
10: Yeah, I do. Uh, for a couple of reasons. One, they've always had a significant presence. I mean, I'm talking about 40,000, 50,000 of their proxies that are operating there with the Hezbollah. They have proxies out of the Hezbollah. They have proxies out of out of Iraq. They have proxies out of uh, as far away as uh, as Afghanistan. Um, so, yes, here's what I do know. I do know they, they had to cut... Back significantly. This is before COVID-19 on funding for the Assad regime because of the sanctions that America has imposed on them. And that started to tank the Syrian economy even more so because they, they really were the major supporter uh, to Syria right from the outset. Uh, they motivated the Russians to come in with their air power uh, you know, in 2015, but the, the, the Iranians always put the money and the boots on the ground and the general officers, leaders to do it, and Qasim Soleimani oversaw all of that. So I do know that was a fact. And I do know, second, secondly, in the last number of weeks and months, they have cut back on their operations. And I'm just assuming it's more financial than anything else. And the third thing is, Because they're a closed society, much like North Korea, much like China and Russia, in a sense, they're not revealing to their own people, much less to the world, what is the impact of COVID-19? What impact is it having on their military forces? You know, in, in Syria, where there's no infrastructure in terms of hospitals to take care of them, Obviously, there's some kind of spread going on there. What impact is it having in their own country? It, whatever it is, it's far more significant than they're letting on. So while I don't have any facts to support uh, what the Israelis are saying, my my money is you bet on the Israelis when they're telling you something because they have excellent intelligence services in that region uh, par mm-hmm. excellence in terms of what is actually happening.
1: General Jack Keen, always great and educational. Uh, thanks so much, General. Talk to you soon.
10: Yeah, okay, Brian. Good talking to you and your audience.
1: All right, absolutely. General Jack Keane on the latest in China, and clearly that's the focus of this administration. When we come back, we find out if there's more to know and take your calls. one It's
2: Brian Kilmeade.
12: It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
2: He's so busy, he'll make your head spin. It's Brian Kilmeade. In
13: 1918, excuse me, 2018, I campaigned for over in 24 states for over 65 candidates.
1: That is uh, Joe Biden continuing to smoothly uh, speak out from his basement. And he is basically handling this terribly, but it's a lot better. The more he speaks, the more trouble he's in. Keep in mind, he lost the primary. James Clyburn saved him for no reason except for they didn't want Bernie Sanders. If there was just a uh, more of a mainstream candidate, um, we wouldn't even know where Joe Biden is right now. Actually, I'm not really sure where he is. Let's find out if there's more to know.
2: More to know.
1: NBA Commissioner Adam Silver and the NBA Players Association uh, Executive Director uh, will host a call for players on Friday, same day the league has permitted teams to reopen practice facilities for voluntary social distance workouts, like three at a time. Uh, Silver uh, Silver and Roberts are intended to be an open forum uh, for players to address any concerns they may have. Three teams, the Blazers, Nuggets, and Cavaliers, plan to reopen this Friday. The Rockets have planned to open their facility Friday as well. Other teams don't seem to be in a rush, which I find strange. Next, Brett Favre will repay $1.1 million to the state of Mississippi. Uh, he was in no-show for speeches he was paid for. He's already repaid $500,000, according to the auditor. Uh, looks like a big embezzlement scheme that Favre was a part of but is not going to get in trouble for. Next, baseball, June 10th spring training games in July. The question is, where will they be? The proposal will lay out a seat to today, will be laid out how the season will look, which teams will play, how they will play, and the ballparks they'll be in. I hope they can work it out. And as we continue to move through, President Trump says he's inclined to move towards not going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner, but didn't completely rule it out. The president said in a recent interview that he's inclined not to go. Uh, I could change, though. He said if they treated the administration fairly, I'll change my mind. Uh, but I just don't know one other thing. Why would they have it? Why They're not going to have a watch the dinner They're going to have an award show. My goodness. Hey, uh, I'm Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for uh, reaching out and being part of this show. We have a lot to discuss, and if you're staying with us, that's great. Uh, go to briankilmeade.com. Write us, tell me what's on your mind, especially are you ready to go out? Are you ready to go to a restaurant? Are you ready to go to the gym? I say yes. The polls say No.
12: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News.
1: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. This hour we're going to be joined by Elaine Chao, Secretary of Transportation. Uh, what do we get? What are we going to need to get mass transportation going again? What is the national approach? And Michael Petrie will be with us. He wants to be the next congressman to fill Peter King's seat uh, over in Nassau County. He also is calling out the governor by letting these, he believes, the whole nursing home situation literally uh, be ignored, costing thousands of lives. We'll discuss that from his point of view. And we got Chris Wallace waiting on the line. Of course, it's getting kind of uh, interesting and more uplifting because we're talking about actually opening up states. 43 states have lifted some type of business restriction. However, we got 19% unemployment. We just added 3 million more to the rolls. Las Vegas at 25%, so our challenges are out there, but at least we're getting in the game. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three.
3: The president is attempting to hold up China as the boogeyman. The reason that we're in the crisis that we are today is not because of anything that China did. President Trump continues to blame China for the virus and the rising deaths.
1: Right. uh, That is the media really being fair and balanced. Media mania, the unrelenting criticism for American media gets a reality check while they continue to give China a pass and Joe Biden a free ride.
4: Number two. This judge was vindictive. He was out to make a point. She was fighting for her kids. She was fighting for her 18 employees, mostly as she said, because they're moms without jobs. And uh, what this judge did was a total disgrace. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, irrational approach. The only way to
1: explain the arrests of owners and banning of sunbathers while some states focus on releasing prisoners. We'll try to make sense of it all.
5: Number one. But we know how to deal with it now much better. You know, nobody knew anything about it initially. We can't have our whole country out. Can't do it. Country won't take it. It won't stand it. It's not sustainable.
1: Finding a way to stay open. And looking instead of finding a way to close big administration push and state by state progress as our country tries to stop the bleeding on jobs and revenue while fighting the virus and taking on China. Now, this.
2: And now, the Brian Kilmeade Show welcomes back Mr.
3: Sunday, the receptive voice, the the king. king. All that and so much more. You have misplayed this so badly because we had a wonderful little thing going here. Yep. Chris Wallace.
1: You know, Chris Wallace, reporter, also.
3: Which I would complain about that totally misleading and taken out of context announcement, but I'm not because there is bigger news today. And let me put it in a number 56. 56. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. <laughs> it's your birthday. I think yes, I, I it is was a little surprised to see that you were 56 years old. I, I did not know that you were, uh, I don't know how the uh, way to put it, but that old.
1: Wow. Because you see me without a shirt on it and you think I have the body of a 20 year old. Is that right? <laughs> I, I, I don't
3: know. I somehow I, I thought you were about 50. I know you're, in, you're really? in good shape. You look little young and vigorous and, uh, do you, do you do something to yourself? I mean, do we do Botox or, 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 or dye the hair or something like that?
1: Nothing. All I do is now I got a, I got a Peloton uh, because they shut my gym down. I'm the only one denied gym access in the country. So <laughs> I have to work out a little bit at home. Uh, so I do that, and uh, that's about it. You know, I get a massage. You go to the chiropractor, is that, that's like Botox in a way. Trying but, to maintain. So you
3: you have a Peloton? I mean, usually the only ones I see on TV using Peloton are, are women who weigh about 110 pounds.
1: You haven't seen all the commercials. In one, a man and a woman are looking at each other across the apartments, and they're in competition, and the woman right. wins. I sense that if this was to play out, they would date. But that's oh, just to that's show it. you how much I'm watching the Peloton ad.
3: Absolutely. So, so like, when you do right. the Peloton, do you tune in to you know, one of, one of the classes and you hear them and they say, oh, yeah. Brian, Brian, you're third.
1: No, uh, I haven't yet to take a live class. I always take them on tape. Uh, but it's, it's really, uh, it, listen, by the time I'm done, I'm, I'm sweating. That's the key.
3: A sweaty 56 year old Brian Kilmeade, ladies and gentlemen, I have provided you <laughs> with that image, which you'll never be able to erase.
1: Right. <laughs> Chris Wallace has a book coming out. It's called Countdown uh, Countdown, 1945, The Extraordinary Story of the 116 Days that Changed the World, uh, coming out on June 9th. So you're going to try to do a book tour, and you'll try to do a lot of media, but it's going to be tough uh, because you can't travel like you normally travel, right? I mean, right yeah. now, who no, knows I, what June's going to bring?
3: I mean, they're telling me the other day uh, that the, uh, the publicist for the book, the, the publishers, are saying a virtual book signing. I said, what's a virtual book signing? And apparently, like you get on Skype or Zoom or something like that, and you sit there and you sign books while people on the on on the system, uh, you, you know, I'm very good at this technical stuff, technological stuff. Uh, ask you questions. So I don't know. I guess I'm going to be doing. that. Have you ever done a virtual book signing?
1: Yeah, I, I did some of them. We're going to do some stuff like on Zoom type thing. I don't know if it's going to work. We're doing it actually. Uh, we're doing it actually in Tulsa. I have a paperback coming out Tuesday. Um, so, in fact, they were telling me how to s- promote this too. Uh, I'm doing this thing on zoom says, uh, this is the verbiage. Come join me on Tuesday, May 12th to help celebrate the paperback release, uh, of Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers got brand new material. It's happening over zoom. Uh, so you can grab a ticket by going to BrianKilme.com. Okay. That's it. Uh, and this so wait, way you wait, can grab wait. a book and then we can talk. So, so it's on Zoom. Great. So
3: uh, we were talking about me, and somehow this turned into a plug for you and your virtual Zoom.
1: Right, that's what happens. I it was a parrot. <laughs> I took your argument and I changed gears. But uh, so I yeah, just want to.
3: But you're not you're not having a new book come out in June. I I don't want to have to compete against you because you're going to kick my rear no. if, if you do.
1: Right, I would. Uh, and but no, it's coming out like I have a new one coming out on Tuesday, just the paperback version of Sam Houston, the Alamo Avengers, which is cheaper, bendable and includes uh, what Lincoln asked uh, Sam Houston to do. And what Sam yeah, and but Houston folks, said.
3: You've already bought uh, the book, so you don't need to buy that. And you can save up and go on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or one of those sites right now. And right. A, in a month, you'll be getting it. Countdown 1945, the, the 116 days that changed the world. Okay. It's the story I've been told by my publishers, it's too early to promote. Uh, The story of Harry Truman, who becomes president on April 12th, and on August 6th, he drops the bomb on Hiroshima. And can I say, it is a really good book. So, as you know, I sent it out to a lot of my colleagues at Fox, especially you. And I only sent it out to my best-selling colleagues at Fox, and that was 47 people. I mean, my God, everybody at Fox has written a book. And there's a fellow, as you know, named Jonathan Glenn, who used to be the executive producer of the 3 p.m. show. I think, with all due respect to you and to me, I think he is the smartest person at Fox and the best writer at Fox. He read the book in one day. So, folks, it's 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 and he said he couldn't put it down and he loved the book. I may I may like uh, put out his review of the book because it doesn't get any better than that.
1: He is a very smart guy. I used to work with Shep. Now, I got to bring you to a story that has very simple, and I think that really should hit home and make you rethink everything. Okay. Okay. In New York, we have this, the most popular governor by the polls is Governor Andrew Cuomo. And I give him credit for being honest. He said, I'm looking at other hospitalizations, which are all going down. And I found out that 66% of the hospitalizations are from people who are sheltering at home. 46% Forty-six percent of them of, of the six are unemployed. Thirty-seven percent are retired. Three percent use public transportation. Chris, he thought they were all first responders who were going to be the positive ones, and now it turns out we're sitting at home on our couch wasting our lives, and it's not helping. Sixty-six percent. We're bending the curve, despite and yet they don't want us to walk on that. We can walk on the beach quickly. We can't stop and sit. Right, we can't go to a restaurant or a jewelry store. We can go to a liquor store, we can't. We can't go to the forest. We can go to the. We can go to the nursery. I mean, what, how, we can't get a haircut, right? Because we'll, we won't flatten the curve. What, what, what point are we going to say thanks? I got it. We'll take it from here. Okay, so let
3: me just ask this because I think you and I disagree to some degree about this. Look, there is nothing more that I would like than for the country to reopen for the the virus not to spike, uh, you know, us to, to go back to in a slow, measured way to normal, and and for us not to get a lot sicker. If that's what happens, uh, nobody is going to be happier in the world than I am and everybody else listening to you. The question is, is that what's going to happen? It's not a question of sort of policy or opinion. It's a question of what's going to happen. And I, I, are you are you firmly convinced that we're going to open up and – And, you know, yeah, we're going to wear masks and we'll do the. But, you know, we're going to get closer to each other. And even if the the curve they're continuing, cases are continuing, which goes against the the task force guidelines, and nothing bad is going to happen.
1: So there might be, but something bad happens every day that we're on the sidelines, every day. And it was just best exemplified with that salon owner in Texas. She said, I have to open up. I got to get to work. They serve her with a summons. So they said, uh, she's like, I'm not paying it. They bring her to court and they said, I want you to admit you're selfish and pay the fine. She says, I'm not going to do that. I'm just trying to save my business. I am socially distancing. So are my hairdressers. And they put her in jail. Put her in jail for opening up her business 10 days early. Because now all of a sudden the governor of Texas says, Friday, we're going to allow salons to open. And how could you, if you're in a jewelry store business and we're not. But it's Mother's Day. You're asking these people to sacrifice everything for a theory. We know the rules. Let us in the game. That's how I feel.
3: <laughs> well, I look, I, I completely agree putting her in jail is stupid. I mean, you can argue whether they should have shut the shut the salon down. I mean, you got to If there's a rule out there that says and you look, it's a very conservative Republican governor of Texas. Greg Abbott, who said you can't open these kinds of stores, she opened a salon. Um, you know, I mean, I don't think I don't think it can be the Wild West and everybody does what they want. You, you know, we have allowed governors to to uh, basically take it over, and they're making the decision. And some some would argue, look, in the end, the thing I love about this, it isn't like a debate over some issue where you have your opinion and I have yeah. my opinion. And, and nothing ever gets settled. We just have two different opinions. We're going to find out if if it turns out. And I hope that's exactly what happens, that, you know, people open up and maybe faster than the, the experts and the doctors say. And guess what? It's not so bad. And maybe it's even, you know, turns out to be pretty good. Great. And if it turns out that there's a rebound and a second wave and have spent two months in lockdown, we have to go back into lockdown. And the economy goes worse, then guess what? We made people made a big mistake. So we're going to find out. And and you know, there's no politics, there's no opinion in it. We're going to find out what happens.
1: Right. Uh, absolutely. So I'm a little uh, stunned by one thing. You know, polarization should not be new to anyone who follows politics, nor partisanship. But when it comes to who started this virus, uh, I was pretty amazed. The Democrats will not even acknowledge that China started it. They say it's a distraction that the president's bringing up. Um, does that disappoint you? Well, knowing I don't, that people I mean, like Chuck fairness, Schumer have been so anti-China in the pack,
3: I, I don't think they're saying it isn't China that started it, because that would be nonsensical. I mean, obviously, it came out of China, and that's where all the all the you know the big outbreak came first. The question they're raising, and I don't know, that. I mean, I'm less and less interested in what happened and whether Trump responded fast enough and all of that, because in the end, that isn't going to save a life, and it's not going to restore a single job. But I think what they're saying, and I'm I'm not saying I advocate it, I'm just explaining it. They're saying that Trump is hitting the China thing to try to distract people from what he did or to make it seem... Like this is a China problem when it's really at this point, it's it's a problem of each individual country and each individual state and each in a, in individual household. But but uh, I mean if they're saying if, if if folks are saying anyone's saying that it didn't start in China, of course it started right. in China.
1: Chris, uh, my last question to you. I know you don't have settled guests yet, especially with the news breaking as quick as it is and everything changing. Do you no, think
3: it's because we haven't been able to talk Russia- to anybody? But go ahead.
1: Uh, do you think uh, do you think the Russia scope memo and that topic will make your show?
3: Maybe I haven't read. I, I don't. Here is what I don't understand: Why Republicans are complaining about the Russia scope memo? This is the memo that Rod Rosenstein wrote to uh, to Mueller in August of twenty seventeen. Correct? Yep. Yep. Well, so what he basically said is, investigate everything. Investigate Carter Page. Investigate uh, Mike Flynn. I don't know why that makes Mueller look bad. If anything, it makes Rosenstein and the and the Justice Department, which was they were all appointed by Republicans. Rod Rosenstein was a Trump appointee. So, why Why? Yeah, is, why but is he's,
1: this? He, right. Uh, man, I should not have asked this up against the break. I I, I have a million answers to that, but Rod Rosenstein isn't necessarily. Uh, he was there for a blink of an eye he gets this he actually thinks Trump's in bed for some reason with Russia and then it, to me he seems like he realized in the middle of it he isn't he lands the plane but the scope memo allowed them to go anywhere and everywhere and that's why you have what a mess we had for the last two years but I, that's where I think you got I think it would, you have to have that debate on Sunday I think it'll be great
3: okay all right.
11: Yeah,
1: all
3: right you know look I, I often let me, let me write down a little bit I'll, you know I know got to go to a break I'll write it down, so I just want to remember. And if you send me an email with more ideas and questions, because as you normally, ah. I didn't get it last week, and I was really kind of adrift.
1: <laughs> Thanks, Chris Wallace. Appreciate hey, can it. I just
3: say one last talk thing. Talk to you soon. Yes. Uh, happy birthday.
1: All right. You're yeah, yeah, very appreciated. We'll we'll hang out next year when we're allowed to see each other. Uh, talk to you soon. Back with phone calls.
2: Don't go anywhere. Brian Kilmeade will be right back.
12: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak. I'm
9: Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
2: Information you want, truth you demand. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
9: And I think universities and colleges and uh, K-12 schools, they're all planning right now on how that can happen. And the reality is, is it may look different uh, from location to location, from community to community, uh, depending on where the virus is and what the challenges are. But I expect that uh, there are lots of planning sessions going on right now. And I agree with the president that uh, kids have to get back to school.
1: Yeah, absolutely. they got to get back to school. they got to get back to college. Don't tell me to write a $45,000 check, even if the room and board isn't included, or you give it back to me. Why am I rushing to college? People got going to take a gap year and not go back this year, especially if you're an athlete. I mean, these student athletes, they got destroyed in the spring. Nobody's fault except uh, China. Uh, they got destroyed in the spring. Uh, you got to go back there and have some normalcy there and make, make a commitment to make it happen. Don't throw up your hands and say, too risky. I'm afraid of being sued. Enough. Uh, Some other good news in California, by Friday, May 8th, they're going to allow certain businesses like bookstores, flower shops, clothing stores, and sporting goods stores to open, but curbside. Mississippi, restaurants go dine in. Good job. Montana, schools will have the option to return now in classroom. Maryland, elective surgeries, golf, tennis, boating, fishing, and camping are back. But, man, Maryland's going slow. New Jersey, unbelievable. They extended another 30 days. 30 days. No business. 30 days. No malls, 30 days. No, obviously no schools, 30 days. No parks, no youth sports, 30 more days. Make it work. It's lazy. When we come back, Elaine Chow joins us. What are the, trans- what are the chances of mass transportation? We'll find out.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum, the host of The Story on Fox News Channel, sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. From his
2: mouth to to your your ears, it's Brian Kilmeade. We're working
13: diligently to ensure that all facilities that are operational in this country are at the levels that we believe they need to be at. We're taking all the precautions that are possible to ensure that our team members are taken care of and that they're safe before they're coming to work.
1: We're talking the CEO of Tyson Foods, talking about the need to get our supply chain going because right now we're dealing with a meat and pork shortage across this country. Uh, all has to do with this virus. Joining us now is Elaine Chow. One of the main things she's uh, trying to help uh, do and keep this country afloat while we deal with the virus and science takes over, she's the Secretary of Transportation. Ms. Secretary, thanks so much for joining us.
14: Thanks so much for having me, and happy birthday!
1: <laughs> oh, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, this is the first—I mean, we're social distancing, or else you'd probably be in studio, perhaps. Uh, Absolutely. Ms. Secretary, when you, right, when you look at a time like this, everything's so unprecedented. What role is the transportation division when it comes to trying to keep the supply chain going?
14: Well, the transportation system, as you mentioned, are critical to our country's economy. So our focus at the uh, U.S. Department of Transportation during this time is to keep the transportation systems safe and operational so that our economy can come back strong. And uh, the administration and the department have really taken uh, several actions to provide unprecedented, immediate emergency relief to American families, workers, and uh, businesses in the transportation sector. You know, we are, we are ensuring that the supply chains, which you talked about, are operational. I mean, truckers are an essential part of this. We are so lucky that we have uh, heroic truckers who are helping to keep America moving, keeping the shelves stocked, medical supplies going where they need to go, and it's all because of the truckers. So I always want to give a big shout-out to our truckers.
1: Oh, absolutely! Done a great job, and I'm so glad you reopened those rest stops because they weren't had nowhere to go uh, originally absolutely. when everything shut down. Yeah, uh, oh. the secretary. As you look at something else, it's something really in New York, especially. I mean, this this nobody has a car in New York. They're all using mass transportation. Yeah. Either you're walking, or you're using subway, uh, or, or you're hopping in a, a cab. But nobody drives. You know, no one wants to pay for those uh, to garage your car that you never use because there's no place to park. What do you? I, I know they're cleaning the subways at night now, but what advice right. do you have for major cities like this? Because subways got to function if we're going to function. How are we going to do that?
14: Absolutely. Well, something you know, the transit systems. First of all, uh, the president signed on March 27th a 25 billion dollar uh, package uh, in the CARES Act that uh, provides resources for transit companies all throughout the country. First of all, you know, we don't own the transit companies. The transit authorities are all part of state and local government. So we've been in partnership and working with them to help them you know, ramp up their cleaning protocol, sanitize their, uh, you know, their trains, and to also, re because that's going to really reassure the public to begin to use transit more as the economy comes back, because they're going to have to use transit, uh, as you mentioned. So included in this $25 billion, um, you know, tranche of uh, resources are monies for cleaning equipment, cleansing agents, uh, personal protection equipment and uh, other needed sanitizers for example and much needed materials and 90% of that money goes to payroll because the president is very focused on maintaining employment maintaining jobs and so uh this money uh you know will help uh these transit agencies go a long way to keeping employment as i mentioned and also making sure that uh the cleaning of these uh, trains are paramount, and they know right. that because we need to have the public trust back.
1: Secretary Chow the other thing is, uh, there's, there's those technology about maybe infrared to be able to shoot crowds to see where the hot spots are. There's people that talk about uh, forehead temperature checks. When you talk about going into a subway, let alone a train like a transit system, whether it's Metro North or Long Island Railroad or whatever one's people are dealing with, New Jersey Transit. Is there some technology for groups that might same thing might help at Disney theme parks that could help us with transportation that you are encouraged about that you want to share with our audience?
14: I think for a lot of uh, buildings that are open up that are opening up, you are beginning to see uh, all different kinds of responses. And so thermal temperature checks are increasingly popular. And these, again, are some of the measures that are being considered. Again, the transit agencies, I know you're talking specifically about New York, but the transit agencies are part of the state and local um, you know, entities. And so each state is different and they will have different responses. But clearly to the gotcha. extent possible, social distancing is really important. Wearing masks <clears throat> uh, to protect yourself and uh, to, for others is probably gonna be increasingly um, you know, in uh, in demand. Uh, we are right. basically helping the transit agencies uh, try gotcha. to get an uh, increased number of masks, personal protection equipment, so that, again, passengers going in will have some access to uh, personal protection equipment as well.
1: All right, let's talk about airplanes. Uh, so we know that these planes are flying mostly empty around the country. Uh, what can we see at the TSA what should we expect to see at the TSA? What are you asking the airlines to do? I just saw some staggering numbers. United has had like, basically laying yeah. off most of their workforce. So what, what is air travel going to look like, do you think?
14: Well, the, air, the airline industry is really hurting bad. Their passenger volume dropped 96%. The number of airlines, airplanes in our skies dropped about 70%. So they are really hurting And in the CARES Act that the president signed on March 27th, there was a package of $50 billion to airline companies, travel agents, uh, ground contractors that does catering, for example, for the planes. And that is to help, number one, meet payroll, because once again, the president is really concerned about maintaining employment. And then on top of that, we also gave uh, $10 billion for airports. And so... You know, the only the best solution for helping airlines and airports is to get the economy back because we cannot sustain this kind of economic devastation. We can come back in phases while still maintaining safety. I mean, this morning, the initial claims filed was another 3.2 million people. We have over 33 million people who are now unemployed and within basically five weeks. I used to be the secretary of labor, so I'm very familiar with these statistics. I have never seen statistics like these. I mean, this uh, these levels of unemployment at such a short period of time is just devastating. And the only solution is we've we've got to reopen America while keeping. safe. Look,
1: it's ne- it's never going to be totally safe. I mean, for the foreseeable future till we come with a vaccine. I think it's time for the American people to understand that and decide that it's it's going to be worth the risk because it's also 99.6% survivable, only 0.4%, and the numbers could go up as we test more, will die from this. So not every is place it something America, that we can deal a hot spot. with?
14: Yeah, not, everyone, exactly. not every place in America is a hot spot. Uh, you know, there are, there are uh, places where there are very few occurrences, and they can begin to come back. They do not need to be in a 100% uh, shutdown or lockdown situation thereby, again, gotcha. devastating the local economy.
1: All right, uh, so you got this money. You're going to, to put critical funding into transportation oh, and the, the transportation
14: thing, about, system? Go right, ahead. I've also got to mention, we also so we provide resources with, number one, we keep the transportation systems in America safe and operational. We've been providing lots of money, taxpayers' money that are being used wisely to meet payroll. And then we're also giving common-sense regulatory relief. Now, this is very important because um I not just cite uh trucking the department take it, has taken unprecedented actions to help truckers because once again, they are keeping our supply chains open they're making gotcha. they are doing their work so that we can stay at home but uh we've given right. the first nationwide hours of service it 's a little technical emergency declaration, but waivers like for expiring commercial driver's licenses for temporary period until June thirtieth. I mean, some you know, some truckers' uh, license may be expiring, but they can't go to the DMV because it's closed. And we also have updated guidance on drug and alcohol testing, just really common sense stuff. Like you mentioned, some states have closed the rest areas. So we've been working with the State uh, Department of Transportation to open up these rest areas. And then when they're open, there's no food court or the food area has been closed. So we have actually extended a temporary waiver to allow food trucks in rest areas so that truckers can have some food. So we're talking about, like, gotcha. you know, commonsensical stuff like that, but regulatory relief, flexibility, under you know, recognizing the hardships that these, uh, you know, truckers are going through, or in other areas, um, we try to gotcha. be flexible during this very special time.
1: Secretary of Transportation, Elaine Child, thanks so much. Stay safe. And Thank healthy. You. you got it. Uh, meanwhile, uh, this just in: the Supreme Court has thrown out the convictions of two people involved in New Jersey's Bridgegate, Bill Baroni and Bridget Kelly. They are now free. Bill Baroni, who was convicted of fraud and conspiracy for scheming in 2013 to change the traffic flow. Remember that it destroyed Chris Christie's hopes, really, of um, of becoming president of the United States. He was at 65 percent of 65 uh, percent approval. Just had a massive reelection. Everyone thought he'd be the front-runner to run again. He thought the last time was too soon. And then after this happened, uh, his role was brought up. He could not shake Bridgegate. Uh, Baroni and Kelly paid the price, but now they're free. When we come back, what is the deal with nursing homes? Around the country, but first in New York. So many have lost their lives. With this poor decision, with these poor decisions at the top, we'll discuss it with Mike LaPetrie. He is a New York State Assemblyman. Who wants to fill Peter King's seat in the house?
2: Both sides, all opinions.
12: It's Brian Kilmeade. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Download and listen to The One with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: A talk show that's real. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
13: If you are tested positive for the virus, are you allowed to be admitted to a nursing home is the question or readmitted? Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. The policy is that if you are positive, you should be admitted back to a nursing home. The necessary
15: precautions will be taken to protect the other residents there.
1: Say you didn't know. So a lot of the coronavirus positive seniors in these nursing homes were brought back into nursing homes. And there were dozens who have lost their lives because of that. And because of that, Michael Petrie says, Lepetri says, as a New York assemblyman there, uh, Cuomo should be under fire, at least forced to explain himself. The I don't know, not effective. His health chief, Howard Zucker, directly responsible. Uh, Mike Lepetri, welcome to the Brian Kilmeade Show. Oh, Thank
11: you, Brian, for having me on and happy birthday, sir.
1: Uh, thank you very much. Well, so so, tell us in the what alerted you about the nursing home situation? The numbers are staggering.
11: Yeah, the numbers are quite shocking. And first and foremost, what came to light was from constituents themselves who had families who had their their parents, their grandparents in these nursing homes, and recognizing that these are people who are our most vulnerable. And now to finally learn that we're seeing patients who test positive with COVID nineteen. Are being required to be returned back to these nursing homes where these uh, my where my constituents' parents and grandparents uh, reside is just truly unacceptable. And frankly, what we're seeing is thousands of people's lives lost because of this abhor- abhorrent directive.
1: So here's um, here's what the governor said uh, on Tuesday, cut forty five.
13: We knew the nursing homes were gonna be a target and whatever we do, they will be a target. Our people are doing everything they can do. We have the equipment, we have the staff, they're doing everything they could do.
1: Do you believe that? Absolutely not.
11: I mean, nursing homes did not have the PPE necessary, the, test, the testing capabilities to isolate residents properly and to know who is uh, symptomatic, asymptomatic. Uh, they just didn't know. And frankly, what's, what's really frightening is that Governor Cuomo in the state and Dr. Zucker, they knew that from day one that, the, that our most vulnerable, the elderly, and those who are immun- immunocompromised were those who need to be protected. And yet they still issued this directive stating that nursing homes are required to accept these patients. It's just unacceptable, and which is the reason why that I called on Governor Cuomo to not only fire uh, Dr. Zucker, but on top of it, there should be a federal investigation for this. I said this weeks ago because of this abhorrent directive.
1: So uh, right now, what has changed? Because so far, what the governor said is really not my responsibility. I didn't know anything about this. And one of the places they could have gone if you had you said we had nowhere the place to put them. That's just not true. You could have them to the Javits Center, the USNS Comfort when it was in New York Harbor. And those places were basically empty and unused. That would have been the perfect answer.
11: Absolutely. You negotiate with the federal government to place these positive COVID-19 nursing home patients into these facilities, isolated property, while protecting the residents in those nursing homes who are not symptomatic.
1: Here's what Charles Comercy said. He's with Fordham University. He looked at this situation, too. He was appalled. Cut 46.
2: What possible reasoning could there be for sending COVID positive patients back to nursing homes who had no PE, no PE, no personal protective equipment, no training? And the best I mean, who knows? But the best thing I can come up with is they didn't want the hospitals to be overwhelmed. And if if they had taken these patients as COVID patients, if they took them um, and made sure that they weren't uh, dying often alone um, without their families being able to see them, um, what would have happened? Maybe we would have had the horror uh, stories that we all thought were, were going to happen.
13: Your thoughts?
11: Yeah, I mean, you're looking at this just five common sense, this directive. I mean, you're looking at at least 5000 people have died from COVID-19 in the state's nursing homes since March 1st. Right. You have 22 nursing homes with at least 40 deaths in and with most of these facilities in New York City and Long Island alone. I mean, just recently you had uh, 62, excuse me, you had one of New York City's largest nursing homes with 705 beds reported the highest number of deaths. So you're seeing many of these patients, COVID-19 patients, return back to these nursing homes with plenty of alternatives, but you didn't do it. You never, you never made the effort to put in the, the care that was needed to save these most vulnerable, the elderly and the most vulnerable's lives. And for me, that's quite frightening, which is why I just couldn't see anything else besides firing Dr. Zuck, Dr., Dr. Zucker and then I'm, and having this federal investigation, because any same person we've seen is becoming an absolute disaster.
1: Right. Real quick, uh, what is it going to take the Long Island to reopen? The, pre, uh, the governor gave his uh, criteria, 14-day drop in hospitalizations and decline in hospital deaths, a rate of new hospitalizations at 2 per 100,000. He wants tracers. What does that mean for NASA and Suffolk County? You know, all it
11: means is that the governor is trying to postpone reopening this economy, which is frankly detrimental to overall the state's health and the financial outlook that it has already is, let's just say, dire. And frankly, I think we need to have this economy open up sooner rather than later so that people can return back, return back to work, make sure our economy is open, but while maintaining the public health and safety in a, in a pragmatic way that allows both to prosper.
1: Gotcha. Uh, Michael Petri, uh, good luck in in your elections. Coming up in November, trying to fill uh, Peter King's seat uh, over in the 2nd District in New York. Mike, thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, go to BrianKilme.com. Tell me what you think. Are you ready to go back to the malls? Are you ready to go back to restaurants? Overwhelming, the polls say you're not yet. I think it's time to get the message out from the highest to the lowest seats. You don't have a choice. we got to go back. Unless you're vulnerable, compromising, a health issue. If you aren't, we got to go. Push your companies to get a protocol that's effective and responsible, and then let's turn this economy around one person, one company at a time.
12: New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My
6: name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single handedly save the world.
1: You're welcome.
12: It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Hi everyone, Brian Kilmeade. Thanks so much for listening to the latest hour of the Brian Kilmeade Show. I'm going to be joined by uh, the acting uh, the acting CBP Commissioner of uh, U.S. Customs and Border Patrol, obviously, Mark Morgan shortly, and then Congressman Michael Walsh, former Green Beret guy, try to make sense of what these uh, guys were doing over in Venezuela. It's gone terribly wrong, embarrassed the country. Then we'll squeeze in some calls and also bring on Jake Steinfeld. Are you working out? Are you making the most of your shutdown? Or, sadly, if your job has gone away, you've been laid off or furloughed, uh, he has a way, and uh, he's also a very inspirational guy. Body by Jake will be with us shortly. So let's get to the big three.
2: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
1: Number three. The president is
3: attempting to hold up China as the boogeyman. The reason that we're in the crisis that we are today is not because of anything that China did. President Trump continues to blame China for the virus and the rising death toll.
1: Yes, uh, they deserve that blame, but you wouldn't think that with the media in America. Media Mania, the unrelenting criticism for America's media gets reality check while they continue to give China a pass and Joe Biden a free
4: ride. Number two. This judge was vindictive. He was out to make a point. She was fighting for her kids. She was fighting for her 18 employees, mostly, as she said, because they're moms without jobs. And uh, what this judge did was a total disgrace.
1: Uh, There you go. Uh, That's Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick, who paid the fine who paid the fine for the salon owner and because he decided to take jail rather than apologize. The irrational approach, the only way to explain the arrest of owners and banning of sunbathers, while some states focus on releasing prisoners and selling liquor. We will try and make sense of it all.
5: Number one. But we know how to deal with it now much better. You know, nobody knew anything about it initially. We can't have our whole country out. Can't do it. country won't take it. It won't stand it. It's not sustainable.
1: Finding a way to open up instead of finding a way to shut it down. Big administration push, responsible push, and a state-by-state progress report as our country tries to stop the bleeding of jobs and our economic powerhouse, which we were but aren't right now. So uh, first off, some some good news. We've been telling you about the story in Texas with the salon owner opened up her store last week. I told her to shut it. She's like, I'm not going to shut it. They go, here's the summit. You got to go to court. She tore it up. She goes to court and they said, if you just apologize, I'll let you get away with a fine. Uh, She goes, I'm not going to apologize. They go, you're going to go to jail. And because of that, uh, this just in, a story just broke. Uh, The governor there has decided to, uh, the governor uh, uh, Abbott has decided to make it uh, no longer possible for anyone violating these executive orders as it has to do with the pandemic to go to prison. So that's an answer because this judge, who evidently is a very liberal judge, Felt as though we had to use that time to teach a lesson. I don't know about you, but uh, I don't really need other adults telling me not to sit, stand on the beach, not to sit on the beach, not to lay down on the beach. We understand how to do it. We understand to keep our distance. We can be gently reminded, but I don't think you should be arrested. So that's exactly what happens. The president's saying, go back to school. Uh, We're gonna look to get that going on the fall. Baseball, looks like it's gonna get started in June spring training. They're gonna propose games in July. Yesterday or today, the NFL releases its schedule. They're going to start in September. Yeah, There's a plan B and a plan C. Here's
5: the president. Cut one. I thought we could wind it down sooner, but I had no idea how popular the task force is until actually yesterday. When I started talking about winding it down, I'd get calls from very respected people saying, I think it would be better to keep it going. It's done such a good job. It's a respected task force. It's uh, I knew it myself. I didn't know whether or not it was appreciated by the public, but it is appreciated by the public.
1: I don't know. It's kind of interesting. The president didn't know it was appreciated, but are they going to be sources of wisdom? Uh, so this just in the officially Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott uh, re- removed jail as a punishment for violating the coronavirus restrictions following the outcry by conservatives over this salon salon owner. Her name is Shelley Luther. When I got up today, she had $500,000 on a GoFundMe page. Try to blow it up even more because uh, she was standing up not only for her and her business or her family, but for the other hairdressers and people who do the nails. Uh, and that really reminds of so many. Also, two Republican lawmakers went into a salon and got haircuts in defiance of this order. They can get haircuts now in Texas starting, let me check my watch, tomorrow and Even the doctors are saying, plan to go back to school. Dr. Deborah Burks, cut three.
0: It's a county-by-county, state-by-state decision, and that's how we're collecting data. And we're hoping, and we're asking all of the states to have a very, very great data system so that every community member can see what's happening in their community, both with hospitalizations and testing and, unfortunately, any mortality. So these decisions can be continuously updated. And we're seeing that. We're seeing much better sites at the state and county level to really inform the public in a very clear way.
1: Yes. Find a way to do it. Don't tell me you can't. There's no way we shouldn't be having graduations. I'm watching some of the high school graduations. I saw some of them this morning on World News and WABC. I'm telling you, I watched the Air Force do it. It looked a little weird, but they pulled it off. We could pull off the high school and college graduations. If the Air Force can do it, can Duke? Maybe they don't want to come back for graduation. That's fine. But high schools definitely do. You live in the town. You're not going to see your friends in a while. I think it would work. And if people don't want to go, they don't have to go, obviously. Who cares if you don't want to go to your graduation? So the other thing that's going on here, and the president said, you know, when we asked about the White House correspondence there, he's like, listen, I'm not going to go. If the press starts treating me fairly, I'll go. But I don't see any reason to go down there and have fun with the media. They don't give them a fair shot. So he talked about it yesterday, and he's been a lot calmer this week, if you noticed. Cut 22. President, what kind of message
4: does it send that you're surrounded by? nurses who are not doing social distancing,
16: who are not wearing masks. Kind
5: of well, I can't help that. I mean, look, I'm trying to be nice. I'm signing a bill and you criticize us. Look, here's the story. There's nothing I can do to satisfy the media, the Democrats, or the fake news. And I understand that. And
1: he doesn't really. So I'm sure he'll tweet about it a little bit later. So we have this attack by China. If you want an example of how it's being covered. China has this virus attack. We're going back and forth in a war of words. You would think we'd rally around the flag. Instead, it seems as though the Democrats want to take China's side. Here's a montage. And you heard it in the beginning uh, when we opened up the show of the media's reaction to the president blaming China. The president is attempting to uh, hold up China
3: uh, as the boogeyman in this situation. And the reason that we're in the crisis that we are today um, is not because of anything that China did. Despite the U.S. now having more than twice as
1: many deaths as any other country, President Trump continues to tout his administration's response to the pandemic. He also continues to blame China for the virus and the rising death toll. They're responsible. That's where they're the blame. Now, Kaylee McEnany was asked, again about this and who's to blame for all this. And here she is on the podium for just the second time. But she's used to this argument because she's been on CNN for a bunch of years and she's on with uh, Fox for a bunch of years. Always on with an adversary. Very on, uh, very rarely is she just on talking about the campaign or the president. So as they try to say, is the president distracting by the fact that he got off to a slow start? Here's what Kayleigh McEnany said in terms of the question from Jeff Mason. To, Should you apologize because when you were a pundit, you said the president said i going to let this virus come ashore. Cut 25.
6: I guess I would turn the question back on the media and ask similar questions. Does Vox want to take back that they proclaim that the coronavirus would not be a deadly pandemic? Does The Washington Post want to take back that they told Americans to get a grip? The flu is bigger than the coronavirus. Does The Washington Post likewise want to take back that our brains are causing us to exaggerate the threat of the coronavirus? Does the New York Times want to take back that fear of the virus may be spres- spreading faster than the virus itself? Does NPR want to take back that the flu was a much bigger threat than the coronavirus? And finally, once again, the Washington Post, would they like to take back that the government should not respond aggressively to the coronavirus? I'll leave you with those questions and maybe you'll have some answers in a few days.
1: So that's why the president says, listen, in retrospect, maybe he'll talk to me years later that certain things could have been done. But when you have Anthony Fauci doing two shows, one in January, one in February, and saying, listen, it's not going to be a problem here. And you have all the press getting on the president for maybe overreacting. And now they want to say he underreacted. She called them all out. This is going to be some interesting briefings. one we will come back uh, with uh, Mark Morgan next and then squeeze in some calls. Then we'll go to Congressman Michael Waltz of Florida and then Jake Steinfeld. Busy hour. Don't move.
2: Educating, entertaining, enlightening. You're with Brian Kilmeade
12: from the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of the Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. Subscribe to the Ben Domenech podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to
5: foxnewspodcasts.com.
2: A radio show like no other. It's Brian Kilmeade.
5: I say it again, we want to have strong borders. I've been saying this for a long time, and I think people are agreeing with me, I really do. I think people are agreeing with me. The Democrats want to have open borders where people just come in. The disease that we happen to be talking about so much lately, but other diseases. And they want to have open borders. They want people to pour into our country from from who knows where they come. No, we're not doing that. We have a very strong border now, our southern border.
1: It's gotten a lot stronger and a lot of attention's off it, which means it's no longer a big issue. Obviously, between the impeachment, uh, between the Russia probe, uh, and now between the pandemic, it's allowed people like Mark Morgan to get going on his mission as acting commissioner of U.S. Customs and Border Patrol. And that's uh, build the wall, secure the border, and uh, make sure, especially in times like this, that people crossing the border are doing it the right way. Uh, Mark Morgan, welcome back.
7: Thanks, Brian. Appreciate you uh, having me.
1: No problem. So you got uh, how many miles, just for an audience who who tracks these things? How many miles of wall is built?
7: Yep. Yeah, uh, and thanks, Brian. First of all, it's, uh, I know it's not getting the media attention you used to, but for us at CBP and all the men and women out there, uh, uh, border security, it's definitely still a big issue for us. And I tell you, one thing that illustrates that is your question right on point. Right now we, we've built 175 miles of border wall system, and we're continuing to build. Not a single day during this COVID pandemic did we slow down. In fact, we sped up building the wall system, and we're still on track to, to meet the 450 uh, miles by the end of 2020. And it's uh, it's protecting and saving American lives every single day.
1: Do you need more funding for it?
7: I, I think, I, I have think we, 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 we have what we need right now to get to that. Look, from, from the beginning, when the president asked us what we needed, we, we went through a, a very rigorous process and we identified 450 miles, the most strategic miles that we needed on southwest border. And this president, he got us the funding for that. So we have all the funding we need to meet that, that those miles.
1: All right, so there's a story today out, and I'm not sure it's, it's exactly your area, but certainly your area of expertise. Senator Tom Cotton, Senator Jeff Howey, uh Senator Ted Cruz and Chuck Grassley coming together to urge the president to suspend all new guest worker visas for 60 days. He says there are no jobs out there, and the jobs that are there should go to Americans. And also the H-1B visas uh, often used. Uh, they're a program which an immigrant can become a green card holder by investing in a business in the U.S. What is your reaction to that?
7: So you're, you're right. It's not specific in CBP's area. But, but what, I, what I can comment though on, Brian, is look, th- this is a, the, the president has been very clear since his first days in, in, in the administration is that he, his number one priority is to protect the American people. And part of that is to protect American jobs. So he's already taken a, what, what I think is, is a significant step forward already that, that's, that's denying new immigrants coming in. Last year in 2019, we had a little under a million immigrants that were allowed in this country. 450,000 of them were new. All of them with the ability to compete against Americans for jobs. So, as we're trying to get the recovery to jumpstart its recovery, uh, the president has taken proactive steps. And he said from the beginning that was just a first step. If there was information that showed they needed to do additional things, the president would support that. And I think that's what this is about.
1: Wow, interesting. Now, the other report is the president is urging you to get the wall painted black. Because if you touch it, your hand will burn off and hopefully keep people away from it. Uh, It's going to be costly. Are you doing it?
7: So look, Brian. I, I think this is another great example of President when when he he talks to us. He really is looking out for the workforce. He's trying to give the workforce that's out there on the lines, risking their lives every day for the American people, all the tools that they need to do. So when we look at the steel ballards and, and, and we're looking at it out there, you know, when, from, from a law enforcement, from a you know, border tool agent that's out there on the line, that's looking through those ballards. That when when they're blending in with the terrain around it does impact, uh, to a certain degree, their line of sight. So by painting it black, by painting it any color, it's going to improve that contrast. It's going to probably reduce glare a little bit, and it's actually going to make their visibility a little bit better. Every little thing matters. And I tell you, everywhere we have a wall system, everywhere that's at with technology and personnel, we've seen assault on agents precipitously drop. So everything that we can do for that, that's a win.
1: Is this uh, reducing our appetite for drugs? Is this hurting the cartels, this pandemic?
7: It absolutely is, Brian. You're spot on. Not, not many people are, are tracking that and asking about that. It absolutely has made their their job harder because of travel restrictions. Uh, on the southwest border, for example, I mean, we're seeing uh, on average 400,000 less individuals crossing our borders per day. 400,000 less per day. What? And so, yeah, it, it, wow. it's, it's, it, it's insane. And so what that does, though, is it's reduce... Uh, the, 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 ability of the cartels to smuggle the drugs in through the, the, masses of people that we normally have encountering. We've put more agents back to the border because of this president's initiatives and tools that he's provided us. So we're making it harder and, and they're suffering. We, we, you know, there's a couple of drug categories that are down, but look, they change their, their tactics and techniques quick. So heroin and meth, uh, it, it's still up overall, even, even through COVID.
1: Wow, fantastic. So uh, you are able to update the president on something that he ran on, and now he's about to run on it again as we try to get through this pandemic. Mark, can I tap into another one of your, uh, something that stands out in your resume? You're a former FBI assistant director. And one thing I've been brought up, as we start seeing Mike Flynn fight back for his life and his reputation, we're seeing some of the, uh, the exchanges uh, between... Uh, fellow FBI agents, Lisa Page, Peter Strzok, Bill Prestep, Priestep, uh, and others. From, from the way the protocol is, they were going back and forth on how to trap a three-star general into lying, uh, how, what the goal is, the, the way they acted. Does this seem like the way the FBI usually acts?
7: Well, Brian, I tell you, I I, uh, I would love to answer that question uh, prior to coming back to the government, prior to my, at my current position as, as commissioner of CBP. I, I think it just wouldn't be appropriate for me now to, to, to kind of comment on that. I, I think the, the attorney general has, has spoken well about that. I, I think they're, they're doing all the right things right now, and, and I, I support their efforts with respect to taking a look at, at everything that happened throughout that process.
1: So, yeah, you can't do it. I guess if you quit your job, you'll tell me.
7: I, I absolutely. Brian, i tell you what, if, 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 uh, you know, if the president fires me, call me the next day. I'll come on and talk to you.
1: You've been fired before. You, you deal with it well. You end up landing on your feet.
7: <laughs> I have, Brian. It would not be my first time. That's correct.
1: Right. Everyone gets ready and then they realize they need you. And lastly, <laughs> all right, do, you tell somebody, do you tell somebody your staff to work from home or is this something you've got to be at the border on? Can you telework? <laughs> well,
7: well, so that's another good question that I think is lost sometimes on American people. So we do have a segment of, of folks that do telework, and we've, we've fully expanded that as much as we can. But we're, we're a law enforcement organization. We have over 40,000 gun toters. The gun toters can't telework it in. Uh, They've they got to get on that line. And right now, specifically with COVID, right, they're, they're trying to stop people from coming in that could have this disease and spread it out to the American public, as well as they're still tackling drug card. Tells and arrested gotcha. uh, criminals and gang members and
1: and and, and uh, uh, it's, all, it's all yeah. It's always risky business, Mark. Especially now, Congressman Michael Waltz. Next,
7: the
12: with Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com dot com. More you listen, the
2: more you'll know. It's Brian Kilmeade.
13: Eighteen percent of the people came from nursing homes. Less than 1% came from jail or prison, 2% came from the homeless population, 2% from other congregate facilities. But 66% of the people were at home, uh, which is shocking to us. We thought maybe they were taking public transportation, and we've taken special precautions on public transportation, but actually no, because these people were literally at home. So do you believe that? Sixty six percent of the people testing positive hospitalization
1: were at home doing what they said. So as the economy grinds to a halt are what we doing, even helping numbers going down in New York and in, in three major cities. But across the country, they're going up slightly. Joining us now, Congressman Michael Waltz, former Green Beret. He used to work with Dick Cheney. Now he represents the sixth district in Florida and now with the National Guard, too. Congressman, welcome back. Hey,
16: thanks, Brian. Good to be with you.
1: I know you're in Florida where you're not really feeling like everybody else. I understand I was talking to some people. people going to malls. You know, here we go to the pharmacy, the liquor store, and the supermarket, and people aren't going to work. So it's really hunkered down here. And when I see stats like that, we're not scientists. I'm wondering if we're doing the right thing. Well, do you ever wonder? I mean, do you talk to people?
16: Yeah, all the time. actually buying just smoker, I'm in d c. Uh, and because I'm I'm at work. Uh, despite what Pelosi says, you know I'm, I'm. We have a defense bill. We have other things to do. I'm dealing with the Pentagon and others. And uh, and you know we talked about this morning on the show. Introduced uh, legislation to stop our research dollars from going to Beijing. They have these what they call these pro forma um, sessions, and we're able to at least get some interdu- uh, legislation introduced, but. And we we've got to get back to work in the Congress, just like America has to get back to work where it makes sense. And to your point on 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 what's happening at home, there's a lot of research emerging that this virus does best in cool, dark, indoor places. Uh, you know, there was there's also research showing that it doesn't do so well outside, fresh air, air circulating, and in the sun. And that's been part of the debate on Florida's beaches. Is you know, it's okay to get out and run. It's okay to walk your dog it's actually probably healthier and it also it, you know there's also evidence showing people that are getting a little bit of exercise and are in shape and fit uh are doing a lot better than people that are sedentary and have uh, respiratory problems so look i think this thing's all over the all over the place at the end of the day uh where it makes sense you know north florida wyoming that's very different than say miami beach uh, downtown miami or downtown manhattan and if, uh, if from my perspective, if our health care workers can be out there, our grocery store clerks can be out there, you know, our elected representatives can have their sleeves rolled up, do be smart about it and get to work.
1: Yeah. And you're not. I mean, I know you you go into war zones. Yeah. No one ever doubts what you would do. Uh, I know Congressman Crenshaw and McCarthy just have spoken on this show and saying they want to go back to work like the Senate. And to be honest, uh, Congressman, I hope it doesn't sound too crass, but if you are too old and you are vulnerable, you shouldn't run for re-election. You are an essential worker. Since when do lawmakers not have the self-esteem to understand that they have to go to work in times like this? And if you're 86 and say, well, it's a little dangerous for me, I'm sorry. I didn't ask you to yeah. run 16 times for re-election because <laughs> no one predicted 9/11. We didn't predict 2008, the collapse of the economy. Right. We got to work around the clock, and no one predicted this pandemic. So I have no patience yeah, exactly, for.
16: Yeah, but There's there's other things at play here. So I, I do. They're they're fine. I, yeah, I don't disagree with you. There are some lawmakers that maybe have some some legitimate concerns, but what's really at play is this is Pelosi crafting another several trillion dollar bill with every with green new deal provisions where union bargaining rights changing the way we vote what have you and not allowing anybody else to have a say she just admitted this morning she's not even negotiating with the administration she's certainly not talking to republicans in the senate and her lieutenant uh representative hoyer Steny hoyer said well we'll call the house back when we're ready for you to vote that's not how this works you know, the, the hundreds of thousands yes. of people I represent, I'm talking Democrats as well. They're just as frustrated. We all need to have a voice in crafting this legislation. Don't box us into a yes or no. Uh, and, and what we're going to see is 1,400 pages like we did before of uh, progressive left-wing Green New Deal provisions that they're using this opportunity and doing this all behind closed doors with just a few people in the room. That's what, That's what a lot of this is all about.
1: You're on the House Armed Services Committee. You know the military threat that China uh, presents. And uh, you also wrote about the the way China is infiltrating through our university system. You wrote a column today about the 400,000 Chinese students that come here for college. We have no way of verifying their grades, but we know their check's clear. And we know how many American students are not going to elite colleges because Chinese students are. Are they just there to learn?
16: You know, honestly, Brian, a lot of them are. But here's one thing that we need to understand, uh, uh, because one of my Democratic opponents have already has already called me racist for, for putting this out there. This isn't about race. This is about national security. And these kids, a lot of them are victims of the Chinese Communist Party. They don't have a choice. Uh, if they are asked under Chinese law to vacuum up everything from robotics to advanced materials, STEM, Uh, advanced algorithms from AI, you name it, they have to provide it. Every Chinese business, every individual, every researcher. And, uh, you know, it it is a giant vacuum uh, cleaner from our research institutions, our academic institutions, right into Beijing. And they fast-track this technology right to their military. So their their whole strategy is to eclipse us economically through technology advances so that the Any kind of military conflict is just a fait accompli. And and that's what they're doing. It's not just the students. It's American professors as well that are being recruited into what's called China's talent program. A number of them, them have been exposed in Harvard and other Ivy League institutions. Even there's a cancer research center in Florida where this was just exposed. And they're receiving millions in federal research dollars from NIH, from the Department of Defense, and others, and then they're taking anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000 a month to then go moonlight into Chinese research institutes and take that taxpayer-funded research that's critical to our economy and our military right into Beijing, and this is how they're going to steal their way to the top. And this is on top of cyber theft and on top of the fact that they're buying up, believe it or not, distressed American uh, small technology startups in key areas in the wake of uh, COVID right now as we speak, and I've introduced legislation to, to to stop all of it.
1: So, are you going to introduce legislation to stop Chinese purchases of American companies? Period.
16: Well, no. What it's in critical technology areas, uh, and it okay. is requiring some oversight on uh before it's chinese money coming in we did the same thing with it was if it was russian money in in the cold war we need to begin taking a cold war mentality and i hope this is a wake-up call same thing with the students will we allow four hundred thousand russian students at the height of the cold war to come in and and search uh and and study in our most advanced technological research institutes no uh so that's that's the kind of wake-up call that we need we need to begin taking that mentality and understanding that the Chinese leadership seeks to dominate us economically before they do militarily. It's right out there in their own writing.
1: I want you to hear what Governor Haley uh, and Ambassador Haley said she's pretty much on the same page as you. Cut 42.
9: President Xi started a commission two years ago that he chairs that says any business that does business in China has to cooperate with the Chinese military. So think about the research. Think about the data. Think about technology. And now we need to change the way we think about China. We need to change the American culture towards China because they've been on a strategic mission for a long time. This is just one of their many offenses.
1: So uh, here we go. I mean, that's they're obligated to do it, just like you're saying. So we have to be okay. a little bit smarter. And let me ask you, uh, Congressman, because you were with Dick Cheney. You know you can't just walk around just saying things even though you feel a certain way. you gotta, sometimes you got to woo people. You have to convince allies. You have to put together a strategy. The fact that I'm seeing the Secretary of State out there so much, even allies like Nikki Haley out there so much, uh, and the president kind of straddling the line just a little bit, I'm wondering is there a strategy in place to get our allies to understand who the good guys are or do you feel as though it's still being worked out?
16: Well, yeah, there is, Brian. But but you're also right to point out um, that there's still a divide. There's still a lot of folks on Wall Street, investment firms, financial institutions. They see a billion person market in China that they want access to. I just had you know a difficult conversation with a major manufacturer that said, you know, look, don't we, you know, we want to be able to sell into China. And, and I told them exactly what they're going to do because this is what the Chinese government does. They will steal the technology. They will set up a China, a mirrored Chinese firm, state support it with, uh, uh, and, and supplement it so that they can drop their prices, put the American firm out of business, and then gobble it up in, in bankruptcy. They've done that in ports. That's what they've done in pharmaceuticals, in PPE, and around the world. The president, understands this he knows that uh they haven't been operating on a level playing field that what they're doing is unfair and wrong uh but you know he gets he he gets tugged a little bit by these folks whispering in their ear my point is if you want access to a billion person market look at india that is 1.3 billion people the world's largest democracy uh, a critical u.s ally that is in line with our values and our thinking that aren't oppressing Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, millions of its own citizens and seeking to dominate the United States in the new world order. So some of that is still and my out, last Ryan, thought on this a strategy. And we have and we okay. have a committee now in place uh, in, in the Congress to take this on.
1: All right. Lastly, while you think about that, where's the Muslim world? They're upset that a handful of terrorists are at Gitmo. But what about the yeah. hundreds of thousands in concentration camps because they're Muslim in China? Not a word. That's right.
16: Or even you know, beating up Israel with the boycott movement like uh, Ilhan Omar and the squad, but yet not a word about the over a million Muslim Uyghurs that are in slave labor and concentration camps right now as we speak under the Chinese Communist Party. Not to mention the Tibetan Buddhists and on and on and on. So we're going to call out gotcha. uh, the, the hypocrisy of the left on this all day long.
1: Congressman Michael Waltz, I hope to join you in Florida soon in the 6th District there. Uh, thanks so much for all you do.
16: All right. Thanks, Brian. See you soon. And happy birthday,
6: by the way.
1: Uh, thank you very much. All right. Uh, meanwhile, coming up next, Jake Steinfeld is going to be joining us. If you go on his Instagram, you'll find out you don't need a bunch of weights. You don't need an elite gym to get in shape. You've got to make this time work for you, especially if, sadly, you lost your job or your job's on hold, or you just got to wait it out. Jake Steinfeld coming up next. And I just have to tell you this, this just in. Uh, The White House has been notified, their medical unit, that a a valet to the president and vice president, who a member of the U.S. Navy, has tested positive for the coronavirus. President's tested negative as of today. He started displaying some symptoms. Wow, it's hitting everywhere. Don't move.
2: It's Brian Kilmeade. If you're interested in it, Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
1: He's a pioneer of personal fitness. He was one of the first to say, hey, you're rich, I'll come to your house and I won't even bring weights. Now that's really helping out as Jake Seinfeld became a uh, a runaway success, launched things like uh, the Major League Lacrosse, chairman of the National Foundation for Governors Fitness Councils and now in a time of a pandemic where they're telling us to stay home he's telling you how to get fit. Jake Steinfeld welcome back.
15: Right birthday boy How's, how does it feel man happy birthday first of all.
1: Well I do you know what I was just looking at I was looking at my body and I can't believe I really have the body of a 20 year old and I really owe it to me. I don't owe it to you.
15: I never booked
1: you you never came to my house.
15: And listen, I'm just going to say this to all the millions of followers you have around the country. Uh, your radio show is on fire. You're a legend in your own shower. I will just say that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now it's getting a little too graphic. So, so, Jake, you did something really cool on day one. The pandemic hits and you thinking to yourself, instead, I got to shut it down. You thinking I got to go back to the future. And you start saying, what are people going to do in their homes who aren't lucky enough to have the home gym?
7: Exactly. What do do? Well,
15: listen, and as you know, man, uh, uh, you know, I was the first guy to really do personal fitness training, uh, went to people's homes, a lot of the big stars in Hollywood, uh, the late 70s, early 80s, and literally used a broomstick, a towel on a chair. And when this pandemic hit, as you said, uh, look, we spent a lot of time together, man. I've been, you know, one of the earliest guests on Fox and Friends uh, back from 2000 on. And we had a plan and it's and it's worked beautifully. Um at Official Body by Jake, we have we we have gone back to the future, like you said, uh doing these little vignettes, um, one minute, two minute little exercises that you can do in your home. And you know, what's nice to see, Bri, is that uh we're starting to be able to get out a little bit more, but gyms are gonna be closed for a long time it seems, and people are concerned about going back to a gym. We have these workouts at Official Body by Jake. Exercises that you, anybody can do at any age with a broomstick, a towel, uh, two cans of mama's tomato paste. And what's terrific about it is reading a lot today about the fact that, you know, that we're sitting at least 10 hours a day. Americans are sitting at least 10 hours a day. you got to get up. you got to get moving when you are moving. You lose that anxiety, you lose that stress, you rev up the metabolism, and it, all it takes is a few seconds. The more reports, the more things you read, the slightest amount of exercise gets that body moving, gets you looking in that mirror and feeling better. Simple exercises, spend no money. This is, this is, this is, this is my gift to this great country because we need to be okay. strong. And as we and as we open the doors again, you want to be able to get back to what you were doing, ch- make changes in your life, but be strong when you're doing it. That's the name of the game.
1: So, yeah. All right. So the exercise of there. when people see after these last few weeks, you want them saying, hey, you're in great shape. Listen, a lot of people, 33 million people lost their jobs. Some of the most successful first time ever they're applying for unemployment or going on a food line. Some basic things to do when you realize you have free time and need direction. What's the first thing you do? Do you create a schedule even though it's you open. just said
15: it? Create a schedule. Create a schedule. Get up in the morning and, and my recommendation is just as you would brush your teeth, go to official potty pie shake do one of the exercises. We post up an exercise every day. We've done about 60 now. You can create your own little workout routine in the privacy of your apartment, your home, no matter how much room you have, I want you to succeed. I want you to feel great. And it really is that anyone can do this, man, this upward spiral of success. Once you do one exercise, and granted, a lot of people, man, and we talked about this, Have a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress. Had it before the pandemic. Now it's doubled and quadrupled. I want to be able to have you use exercise as your medicine. Exercise as your medicine rather than doing things that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you're concerned, you're nervous, and you want to succeed, you want to be good. Here is a way to do it. Really simple
1: exercises
15: you can do anyone.
1: Got it. Go to uh, Instagram, body, Official Body by Jake. Jake, thanks for uh, closing out the show on my birthday. I appreciate it. You're still sexier than I am.
12: From the Fox News Podcasts Network.
1: I'm Janice
9: Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.